In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in The Jinx. Now the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Jason Louv back with us. Journalist has covered surveillance, international trade, and the dark side of technology for Vice News, Boing Boing, Motherboard, and many more. As a futurist and strategist, Jason has worked on Buzz Aldrin's international campaign to colonize Mars. Buzz, as you know, was the second human to walk on the moon. Google's artists and machine intelligence program. He has also spent more than 20 years engaged in firsthand intensive research into the world's esoteric spiritual traditions and has empowered thousands of people through his online school, Magic, M-A-G-I-C-K dot M-E. And Jason, welcome back, my friend. How are you? Yes, hello. It's wonderful to hear you. Uh, hear your voice again. Thank you for having me on. It's always a pleasure. You always do a great job for us. And how's the book John D. and the Empire of Angels doing? You wrote uh, several going, years ago. Yeah, it's going strong. It's been a few years, but the the, the interest is, is still strong. This is a topic that, it, it is a book about the 16th century, so this is a topic that will be perennially interesting to people. The Because of what it's really about is the birth of the occult and how, and magic. And that is something that I am a tremendous advocate of. I am an advocate of magic, the occult, spiritual liberation, tripping out, tripping the light fantastic, having fun evolving the human race and looking good while doing it. So you don't believe it. You don't believe it's evil, do you? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. I, uh, you know, it's like magic is one of those things in life that people you know, it's kind of like being scared to jump off the diving board when you're when you're a kid. It's terrifying when you're walking up to it, but then it's super fun when you jump off. And there's so many things in life like that. Um, and and I'm glad you asked that because, you know, there's there's been a very anti-magic kind of narrative. There's people get into conspiracies. Yeah, they're afraid yeah. that somebody's under their bed. Someone's around every corner, somehow using the dark arts to control them. And um, that's not the case. And uh, I think that what magic really is, is a set of tools that we've inherited from spiritual traditions and shamanic traditions and wisdom traditions 
from all over the world, from every culture, whether it's esoteric Buddhism or yoga or tarot or any of these things, there are tools for waking up and taking control of our own life. So I think when people get super down the conspiracy rabbit hole, they start looking for reasons why they don't have control of their life. And if you look for those reasons, you're going to find them. And I say look for reasons to have control of your life. Look for reasons to have power. And I certainly, in the last two to three years, like I'm sure everyone, have felt powerless many, many, many times. Oh, it's sure. a horrible feeling. And it's a horrible feeling to, to feel that, you know, maybe people who don't have your best interests in mind actually are making, trying to make decisions for you, control your life. It sucks. Nobody needs me to tell them that. Um, what I'm hopefully here to do in, in, in life and with my writing and with my school, magic.me, and hopefully, uh, which is M-A-G-I-C-K, magic spelled with a K to distinguish it from from stage magic, mm -hmm. M-A-G-I-C-K dot M-E. What I'm here to do is remind people that they're in control and, and these techniques will work for them to wake up and, and have fun and take control of their life and most of all to become the person that they're truly destined to be. Um, and I think that uh, hopefully I can, hopefully people, people dig that, <laughs> you know. Absolutely. Jason, how did you get interested in all this? When I was a teenager, I was very, very, very skeptical and, and cynical. And I saw all the books on magic and, and the occult in the bookstore back when we had Borders and Barnes and Noble and Shane bookstores. Um, and I wanted to disprove it so that I didn't have to worry about that anymore. So I got some of the books, started doing some of the exercises, and lo and behold, it started working. And when I say working, I mean, um, as anyone who's done this stuff can tell you, people have very similar experiences when they start doing this. They'll get, um, you know, um, synchronicities, meaningful coincidences happening all the time. Their dreams will come alive. They'll start having very meaningful dreams. They'll have moments and flashes of insight or I think what people nowadays like to call downloads from the universe. Yeah. Um, and it suddenly feels like the whole universe just comes alive and, and starts talking to you. And that can be, you know, that that's a tricky spot to be in because you don't want to take it too seriously because then you can kind of get lost in the weeds a bit. But it's like, it's like all of a sudden the world goes on in, in stereo and in color when before it was black and white and constricting. And anyone can do this. I mean, you can get any... You know, I have all this stuff on offer in my books and at my school, but you don't need to go there. You can get any book on magic um, by, uh, you know, people like Peter Carroll or even Aleister Crowley, uh, some of the older ma magicians, the Golden Dawn, or even just the most basic. I mean, they now, now we have access to everything. There's Tarot for Dummies books. There's Astral Projection books. There's, there's, this stuff is all available. Just get a, get a cookbook, get a spell book give it a shot. And I promise you fascinating things will happen. It is. And the, the reason that it's so exciting is that not only is it that the world comes alive, but it seems to more and more, the more you do magic sincerely guide you in the direction of what magicians call their, their true will, which is discovering your true purpose, your true meaning, the purpose, the person, the heroic person that you're meant to be in this life rather than, checking out, watching TV, 
or zoning out on video games and drugs or falling into the fear narrative of the news, which is harder to do with every sure. day because these systems of control are so good at keeping us docile. Would you call yourself, Jason, a practitioner of magic in the occult or more of a journalist? I would. Well, I would call myself both, but I will 1,000% unabashedly, without reservation or, or shame, call myself a practitioner of magic. Okay. I have my entire life. I do it every day. Um, it's, it's real. It works. It's fun. It's meaningful. It gives structure to your life. Um, it, and it, and it, if I could say one thing about it, magic, just like any, I would say, self-directed spiritual practice, whatever that is, um, is always there in the darkest moments. You know, and I think in this current moment when, at least in my lifetime, it's never felt this dark and hopeless. Um, just like every other time in my life where things have fallen apart or seem hopeless, magic is always there. It, it, uh, it's a refuge for people just like any spiritual path in times of crisis and turmoil. And give us your definition, Jason, of the occult. So occult just means hidden, right? And, and that's a really interesting one. Because People also, freak out when they hear that name, don't they? Absolutely. But they've been told to, you know, it's like we've been conditioned to not touch the cookie jar. Is how I like to put it. Uh, we've been conditioned, right? We've been conditioned by horror movies and books, and 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 to not touch the cookie jar because um, it's supposed to be hidden. So you have to ask yourself, why is it hidden? Well, it's been hidden from us for hundreds of years by um, you know groups who want to keep it for themselves, or even like the royal family in England. Uh, you know, the, the power of ritual and 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 all of that uh, because they don't want the common people to have it because then they'll have more power than they're supposed to. So occult just means hidden. And, and what, 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 what has been hidden is magic, which are the techniques of um, spiritual liberation. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all, the hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in the jinx. Now the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A., I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, 
or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s. She looked like a million bucks. With zero qualifications. She had a Harvard plaque. Tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. That this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately $11 million. Nearly $10 million was all gone employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In your book, John D. and the Empire of Angels, uh, he lived uh, in the 1500s, died at 1608. He was a mathematician, but he was an astronomer, an astrologer, an occultist. He did it all, didn't he? He did, yeah. And and D is a fascinating figure for me. Um, he is, in my mind, certainly one of the greatest magicians in history. And he was real. I mean, he's the original 007. That was his code name for the British Secret Service. And he was Queen Elizabeth I's. Um, essentially court wizard, court magician. These people have existed all through history. They still exist, although they keep them hidden. And his job was as the scientific and occult consultant for the, the British the British Empire. He is the guy who came up with the term British Empire. But he was fascinated with the occult, and he spent 10 years doing magic rituals to talk to angels. And it's from that time period that pretty much everything we think of as Western occultism, for those who are more familiar with it, meaning Golden Dawn, Rosicrucianism, Freemasonry, um, all of that stuff, that comes pretty much from Dee's work. And the more I researched him in, in, as part of my own practice, the more I realized, although everyone kind of knew who he was, he was a totally, they didn't understand the full scope of, of why he was so important, and he, he remained kind of an unsung figure which is why I wrote John D. and the Empire of Angels, which is kind of my massive biography of, of his work, which is about John D., but it's also about magic. And it's about the moment in our history in which magic both re-entered the world and was also hidden and kept secret for the elite. Because those techniques were all practice, practiced for instance, by the, the British upper class for hundreds of years after D. But it was a secret tradition. They wanted to keep it hidden from, from the public. And it was only in the probably the early 20th century with the, gold, the Golden Dawn and people like Crowley and Israel Rigardi that some of that stuff began to be published, circulated, and let out into the public. So, How could a guy who was around 400-plus years ago have such a handle and control over these things that are going on now? Well, time is a funny thing. I mean, it's like it's it's it seems like a long time to us, but is that's it's a blink of an eye for for an angel, perhaps. You know, like in Hinduism, they talk sure. about the pralaya, or they talk about you know in Hinduism, they talk about mahakalpas and periods of time that are eighty four thousand years, which is just like a, a blink 
um, of a sleeping God, you know, it's just like a, it's a second for them. So I think if you zoom out, you can see, I mean, we're still, I mean, just to make it more down to earth, you know, D is responsible for the British empire. The British empire is responsible for the American empire. You and I are living in America. Uh, probably most of the people listening to this live in America. You know, uh, Canada was originally supposed to be given to John D. Um, and uh, John D is responsible for bringing geometry for the to the world for the mm-hmm. first he, he introduced Euclid's geometry. He's responsible for laying the foundation for modern science, which has created basically everything around us. So, you know, it's crazy to me. People uh, think that magic isn't real. But when you zoom out far enough and you look at what's, and, and, and you don't have to read conspiracy literature or occult literature, if you look at the actual history of how, what has happened in the world, and, and not the history they teach you in high school, but even just get on Wikipedia and, and look at you know, what has shaped some of the most important parts of world history, it's all there plain to see. You know, we live in, as Robert Anton Wilson put it, a reality that is basically the the line at which rival shamans have fought to a standstill. Is there a distinct difference, Jason, between magic and the occult? No, I use them interchangeably. I mean... They're almost the same thing, aren't they? They're basically the same thing. The occult has a slightly sinister connotation, a little bit more sinister than magic. When I hear magic, I just think very colorful and, and creative expression. Um, but I use them in one sentence, magic and the occult, because it's just clear to people what it is. If I say magic, then I kind of have to explain, well, it's not stage magic, it's with a K, it's, this is what it is. But when I say magic and the occult, I feel people immediately get what I'm talking about. I agree with you there. And uh, yet some people will have scary thoughts about both, won't they? Absolutely. And, and, and that's certainly understandable, because magic is a path leads you not to, I think, as people might think, some type of seduction to the dark side or something like that. What it does is it it leads you into confrontation with yourself. It shows you who you are. It shows you maybe parts of yourself that you don't want to see. You you see your own... When you practice magic, you see both your own highest potential and who you could be that you're not currently... Um, but you also see your lowest potential. You see all the parts of yourself that are not as good as they could be or, or um, your shadow aspect, right, as you would put it. And that process of self-confrontation, um, however it's done, through magic or psychotherapy, which is actually very similar in many ways, um, is, you know, it goes without saying, something that makes people very uncomfortable and perhaps makes people more uncomfortable as they get older, I think, that I would say, just because we have more baggage as we, as we go on. So um, I think that's, that's really underneath. When people get a real sense of magic, if it's not a Hollywood thing, I think they, have a, they, get, they get a little whiff of that, of the amount of work it is, and that it will lead them into contact with things that are scarier than the dark Lord or the monster under the bed. It will, it will lead you into the all meeting all the parts of yourself that you're ignoring. And that can be quite frightening for people, but certainly not dangerous or, you know, spiritually perilous or anything like that. If anything, magic is another path to God. It absolutely is. It's tied right in with, with um, the history of Christianity. Most of what we think of as Western magic 
is an outgrowth of one or another form of Christianity. There's magic in the Protestant Church. There's magic in the Catholic Church. There's magic in the Orthodox Church, in Judaism, in Sufism, Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, every single world spiritual tradition, which is usually what we look to when we think of you know, guidance for what is good, what is right, what is godly. Magic is in all of these things, um, and magic as a practice draws from all of them. So um, if that's not good, I don't know what is. Do people use magic on a regular basis and not even know it? Absolutely. So, you know, magic, to be, I guess, precise about it, any intentional act, any willed act, is a magical act. You know, it's like I, I, I decide that I want to be known for talking magic. Well, you know, I better start emailing out emails. Or it's like if I, I, I decide to manifest a book, well, I better start writing a book. I, there's a ritual I need to do. I need to write every day. I need to email publishers. I need to make connections in the publishing industry. I need to, to do a little bit every day to get closer to my goal. That's magic. Um, every decision that we make is magic. And I think that magicians use the phrase will a lot, capital W, will, doing your will, willing something into reality, doing your true will. And the more that I've thought about it and, and, and dwelt, lived with that, my definition of will is just a decision, to make a decision to do something. And I think that that is magic at its fundamental form. So we're all doing magic all the time, but for most people it's unconscious. And what magic as a specific spiritual path does is use all these techniques like meditation, yoga, and ritual, and quite dramatic ritual, you know, big, colorful, over-the-top arcane ritual sometimes. I mean, we, we all like to have fun. Um, it, it trains that faculty. It trains you to focus your mind on what you want. And more than that, it forces you to ask the question, what do I truly want with my limited time here on Earth? So when magic is done right, and certainly how I teach it at magic.me, um, magic will show you your true will, who you're truly meant to be, and then will give you the discipline and the quote-unquote the quote unquote power to become that person. And as anybody who has practiced this for an extended period of time knows, when you do that, it's like, as Crowley one time put it, the universe basically has your back. I'm paraphrasing. It's magical, right? It's magical. A thousand percent. The universe becomes magical. The universe loves people who want to participate. It loves people who want to participate in the universal drama and live up to the challenge and the, the question posed simply by being alive. You know, the, by being alive, the universe has asked us, okay, step up. What would you like? And when people consciously raise their hand, step up to that process, that's when true magic happens. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in The Jinx. 
Now the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.